Simmy, do something entertaining to start us off. Oh, you're a jerk. You know that? <laughs> I told you I got no power in my brain today. Yeah. And that's what you lead with. Yeah. This is the day you slack <laughs> off. Yeah. Of course it is. You are just the absolute opposite of the perfect co-host. Well, you and- know, sometimes, sometimes when you come to a friend in a moment of weakness and you say, man, I'm just not feeling it. I'm, I'm kind of down today. That is the worst move you can do because sometimes you'll have a friend who'll go, hey, you know what? You're not on the spot enough. Let's let's put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. I see that you're feeling weak. Allow <laughs> me to exploit that. <laughs> I shall exploit your moment of weakness and then I will assume power and the podcast will be mine. That is the kind of friend you have in my co-host, King Monkey, who is here as always, no matter what I try, <laughs> despite your best efforts repeatedly, here I am. Hello. However, ah. I do have an intern today, inter- hoping to to find a permanent spot on the podcast. I am definitely, um, well, we'll just say I'm not explicitly looking for a replacement in this person, but you know, I mean, life happens. If something happens and King Monkey has to be replaced, then I might have the person already. So why don't you introduce yourself, <laughs> random person? Hello, I am Random Person, also known as D. Aquilina. You may remember me from my previous works on the Outplay podcast version. Wait, um, we've had you on before? Yeah, I was. Does, uh, no, I don't. Are you I sure? I was that I guy who made the elf that everyone was disappointed in. As <laughs> mm, a ring a bell. But yes, thank you for this wonderful learning opportunity and the various experiences that I'm going to get for my future job prospects. <laughs> very good, very good. And and you know we've been very clear on the salary and all of that. You're you're going to be paid. What you guys are getting paid? <laughs> oh no, you, we, we get paid what we're worth. You'll get paid what you're worth. Oh, okay. Good. You get paid an experience. And if you don't like what your valuation is here at RPGX Radio, then you got to take it up with the owner. Birch handles all Ooh, of that. I don't know. I, I do highly encourage That's, that mm, because it makes my job easier. I don't know. It's pretty scary. Have you ever, have you heard the ominous creaking and the wailing and gnashing of teeth from Birch's office? Like, uh, oh. Conveniently, I know where he lives. Oh, wait, he's doing that too? Because yeah. I mean, that comes from my office all the time. Oh yeah, he's Birched is everywhere. Do you guys share a wall? Birch knows all. Birched sees all. Birched is all. And so this is just going to be a name drop heavy episode because we're going to just go right into our first bit. It sounds easier than making content. Just to pull yeah, up exactly. a user list of usernames. And... If we can just have a list of people to read for 22 minutes, we have a whole episode. Yeah, that's true, eh? 22 minutes of usernames. All appropriately pronounced, no less. Uh, as we do everything with, around yeah, here. With yeah, with our levels of exactly Perfectly above board. We are, if nothing else, consonant professionals. Yep, exactly. So we're going to segue into It's a Verbs, Random Verb of the Week. D'Aquilina! Oh, it's me. Yay. Yep, 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 yep. 
Your verb this week, that all you have to do is provide a, a sentence utilizing said verb and do it in at least a moderately more successful way than certain other people have in the past. I'm not going to name names, just certain other of my co-hosts. But, you know, no specifics. So your verb this week is entertain. Well, I sure hope that you're entertained by listening to RPGX Radio. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. R entertained. That's good. Nice. That's well very, done. very, Quality. very well changed up the Quality. tense and everything. Golf clap. <laughs> okay. Now I've got that for the audio. We can move on. King Monkey, what have we been talking about? What have we been talking about? Yeah, and uh, this month. Sure. We've been talking about... We're writer's block. When you're, you know, your writing is blocked because oh yeah, the blocks they get in the way of the writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very concise yeah. summary of this past month so far. <laughs> I had to remember what month it is, if I'm being honest. So that's that's a, that's fair. I mean, it doesn't even matter when we record things. It's hard to remember what month it is, even at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, obviously, time feels like it's stretching for eternity. But when this is released, all this nasty pandemic nonsense is going to be well in the past. So yeah, oh, well, yeah. By, by the time this obviously. comes out, absolutely. This, this clearly won't be a problem for the listeners of this particular podcast. Never. Definitely not. It's, it, it'll all be just perfectly taken care of. We won't be on the edge of imminent collapse just because of everything sucking. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of wish I had another can to open now for some reason. There <laughs> we are. <sighs> I feel like you missed your opportunity. Yeah, I already opened it earlier, and now I'm kind of like, is it enough? I don't know. I don't know, man. The world is not enough. <laughs> or whatever that James Bond It's such a perfect is. place to start. <laughs> I will say that was not it was not a great James Bond movie. I did like the villain, and I I actually love that theme song. Um, it was uh, garbage that, that did the theme song for that one. Well, that's that's not very nice. You shouldn't call them garbage. <laughs> hey, they I'm, tried their best. They're they owned the name. They they listened to themselves and they said, you know what? Let's claim it. No, but honestly, <laughs> you know it's, a, it's a decent we, song. That's just what we are. We're garbage, and and we need to tell the world. I'm sure I made the joke at the time, too, but I do genuinely like that theme song. I don't know. I mean, we, we rep- I've noticed we repeat jokes pretty regularly, so, I mean, clearly no one's noticing as we go through anyway, so. Hey, <laughs> if cares. it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I think one month, we'll just need to re-release the last month's episodes and see if anyone says anything. <laughs> you're, Different order, maybe. Yeah, you're, you're wondering if I'm going to notice, even. Like, geez. No, I, I I have total faith that you won't notice. Perfect, because I'm. I, I have wait. I have total faith in your lack of thing no. words. But yes, we've been talking about writer's block, and we started at the top, and now we're here. Wait, <laughs> eh, it's close enough. Yep. We started with the application and ad posting process, and dealing with that kind of writer's block. Last time we talked about. Being in a game and knowing you want to post, knowing you need to post, but not being able to make the words come out and how you kind of get over that. 
So obviously we're going to cover the GM side of that when it's the GM's time to post and you know maybe where you want to go or you know certain things need to be covered, but you're just you're struggling to get it all out there. So we're going to talk a bit about that. And then the reason we have a special guest and, you know, we hope to have two episodes to cover this instead we'll have to do it all in one. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to blame anyone, but there is only one person who wasn't here last time we wanted to talk about this. So... You take Obviously, that you King will, Monkey audience. was the problem. I, I'm, I'm not going to name names. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> it sounds very strongly like you're trying to get me to name the names. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, <laughs> you, you, I'm you not, just I'm kicked saying... me in the shin. You're, you've got your elbow in my ribs right now. You keep nudging me. I, I tell you, the 8K video system we have set up just gets better every time. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's got haptic feedback now. 8K <laughs> haptic feedback, four-dimensional VR <laughs> cyber immersion videos. Any, if it gets any better, we're going to basically have... Parallel realities just for the podcast. Basically, yeah, yeah. We're each going to step into our own parallel reality that's just going to happen to overlap. Yeah. No, you don't even have to step into it. It, it envelops you. Oh. You, are yeah, you do have to have a pretty recording. good uh, like download speed in order to get it. Otherwise, it just yeah. takes a while to download for sure. According to some hacks I saw on YouTube, if you just right-click and type in a couple of different things, you can get God mode on your computer. So, I mean, hmm. seems easy enough. Fair enough. But yes, um, why don't we start, as we always do, with respect for our guests and put them right on the spot. Diakulina, when you have a DM post or a GM post that you're struggling with, what's one of the tools that you fall back on to get yourself there? Um, well, one of the things I'm actually going to cover a little bit later when we're talking about the writer's block um, is we have this concept of posting where you include context for all of the other players and for the GM. Uh, so it is called a GSP or a good solid post. And if you're following that, then there's going to be a lot of contextual clues coming from all of your different players that you can use to tie into your, your current GM post. Um, so I think the biggest thing that I would look for is just look for those contextual clues that have been given to you by the people who are participating. Um, it could be a co-GM or it could be other players and inject as many of those as possible. So it could be just as easy as going over each of the player's actions and just describing how they result. You don't have to be too crazy about it, but like, you know, this person made an attack, they hit the creature. You can just say, that's what happened. Here's that the creature reacted. So you don't have to think too hard about how this fits into the larger narrative if you're in combat, for example, because sometimes that might be more brain capacity than you have to put on the table at the moment. But there's always going to be something there that you can use. Okay, so so looking at the, the pieces that are already out there and how you might stitch them into a more cohesive narrative is, is one of the ways that you think can help bridge that gap? Yeah, because you're going to have X number of players, right? So that's X different perspectives that you can use when you, it comes your turn to post. Um, and they're not always going to be directly related, like... Um, if the party works together really well, then they might be drawing off of each other and then you'd just be the next kind of cog in that chain um, or link in that chain. 
rather. No, no, oh. the cog in the chain. You got cog it right. works. Yeah, yeah cog works perfect. That's how chains work. They're <laughs> just made of gears. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah, you'd be the next link in that chain. Um, but if they don't, sometimes players will just post, like, here's my action in a completely isolated environment. Maybe they're attacking different enemies. Maybe they just didn't care to read what everyone else posted. Um, but there's always going to be something that they did that you have to respond to. So if you're struggling to, like, come up with something new, maybe you don't have to. Maybe just be like, okay, here's what's happened and just describe the situation as it is now and, like, lay out the pieces that are left on the board. Um, if you're in like an out-of-combat scenario and there's conversations happening, that's when it gets a little harder because you have to kind of think about what your NPC would do or what the world would do or how things would react to the players that are involved there. So um, in that kind of a scenario, um, I mean, if you have detailed notes, refer to those, I guess is the best play. But Yeah, you can have a lot of threads to, to sort of weave together at that point, <clears throat> depending on how many people you have and how disparate their actions are. Something I've seen that I think I use when I can is creating like a bullet list of the order that things happen and how it all plays out. So like if you're in a combat situation and, you know, your five players all attacked and then your five monsters all attacked. If you need to narratively kind of lay out how that looks, creating the bullet point of so-and-so attacks, then this monster comes up and falls and this monster moves here and does this so you have a a bare bones narrative to kind of refer to and then you kind of fluff each of those out into the appropriate amount of content for a combat situation because as we've talked about you don't want to make a six page post for each you know millimeter the blade moves <laughs> you're not J.R.R. tolkien what is this dragon ball z yeah. <laughs> You're not Tolkien writing Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> As the rain poured down, I swung my blade, bisecting a raindrop as it came down to take the lifeblood of the troll. And it reminded me of my father, who told me about his mother's great-grandmother's cookies. Yeah, roll the 1d6 already. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Three damage. Yeah. You didn't even hit, dude. You missed. You whiffed. It can't remind you of all this. You got Just so wrapped up in failure in silence. Well, I was too busy thinking about my grandmother's cookies. That's why I missed the dragon. Sorry, guys. My bad. <laughs> well, I'll take you up for cookies after, though. Yeah. Anybody else hungry? I'm real oh, hungry. Oh, man. Those are good cookies. You know, uh, sort of changing the topic ever so slightly, I find while I was listening to Daquilina, I was thinking about times that I've had difficulty posting as a GM. And I sort of came to a realization right now that a lot That's of the times, well, I mean, it's either this or later, and this way there are witnesses, so if we know that if I have a cerebral hemorrhage, someone could, in theory, choose to call the police. <laughs> you know, what? dial 911. Huh? I'm just saying. I'm sorry. Were you talking? Probably not. I feel like I was talking. <laughs> hey, you smell burnt toast? It's burnt cookies. Hey, that's our lamb chops <laughs> earlier, actually. Turned out so well. No, but I realized that one of the big issues that I run into sometimes when I don't know what to post, it's because I kind of had a preconception of where I wanted the story to go or where I thought the story was going to go. And then the players being players have done something 
that I didn't fully anticipate, and now the story is not going the way I thought it would. And I think that that is one of my weaknesses. If I have too strong an idea or too specifically um, intended a direction, then I won't be able to adapt as well to the unexpected. And I'm willing to bet if I have that, there are probably a number of other GMs who have the same issue, you know? Eh, probably not. I mean, it sounds like one? a new thing. No? Okay. I, I, I feel that pretty hard, actually. I don't really do GMing very often, if at all, specifically for that reason. Um, I remember I had a campaign that I was running for my friends back in the day. And I had this beautiful story laid out. I was so ready for everything to go. And I introduced this druid NPC who was like an alchemist kind of uh, like he, he was there specifically to help them to the next plot point. And they spent an hour trying to rob this guy blind. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are a good party. Why are you doing this? And <laughs> it threw me off so hard. Uh, I just I kept Why introducing traps until they realized that I didn't want them to do that. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my silence divine campaign. I am. I always tell them, I'm like, look, I will, have sketched out ideas for like 10 different things you could do and a couple that I think are off the wall and you guys always manage to find something I haven't thought of always and I think that's just it's just sort of the just nature what thing. players do yeah because I think King Monkey and I have talked about this before you're not them you think differently and so they come in with these other ideas or a different perspective on things and they make their choices based on that and it doesn't align with what you've considered. And I think that is ultimately the mark of good GMing is, can you roll with that punch? Can you take something either that you already planned or a piece of the world that you hadn't planned and make it something they can still interact with? And I think building, building that flexibility into the game that you're planning is important. Even when I'm running from a, an AP, I tend to look at, okay, here's how it says they should go through it. I know generally that group is going to go basically checkpoint to checkpoint. But every once in a while, they're like, you know what? What if we use spider climb to go and hit the dragon first and work our way down through the tower rather than work our way up and then fight the dragon at the end? But the book says like, you go this way. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been stupid if I, if I had just insisted, oh, yeah, you have to go this way. Oh, it's not going to work. Or if I just punish them for it. So no, I, I like, no, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. And instead I made the dragon fight pretty easy because they were fresh. And I kind of beefed up the other stuff because everyone's going to be waiting for you when you come down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I guess it's just a reminder to myself that <clears throat> it's not the GM's game. You know, the GM is hosting the game, but the, the act of playing D&D doesn't start and end with the GM, right? It's everybody's interactive effort. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in a lot of ways, flex. the GM is just another player. Yeah. You're playing a different role in the game, but it's still very much playing for sure. Yeah. And I, I practicing that kind of improv is very important if you want to GM a game because you can't plan for every scenario because you can't be other people. So being able to tweak things and run with the punches or sit there for a second and say, give me a second. I need to contemplate this because it wasn't what I planned. That's totally fine too. 
And you know how we, uh, we're back in world building and all the other stages, we talked about how sometimes you'll have stray ideas, right? You'll have something that didn't quite fit, but you had an idea, and we always recommend jot it down. Maybe keep that list of jotted down half ideas on hand so that when the players, when the players get off of your nice shiny railroad, you know, you can have a thing. Maybe you didn't know exactly how to put it in there. And this is your chance to do that. Or, on your other hand, you could keep a handful of specifically curated random generators or uh, encounter tables, you know, ones that you like and have uh, had good experiences with or that you really want to try. And maybe if they go down the wrong hallway, just roll to see what kind of robot might be down that hallway, right? Yep, in your standard fantasy game, roll to see what kind of robots down For there. For sure. Hey, Warforged or anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, that's true. I mean, if you're playing a standard fantasy campaign, they won't be expecting a robot, which is half of the fun. When suddenly it turns out that you're not playing a fantasy game, you're playing a fantasy star game. <laughs> now they're all cyborgs. You never know. And actually... The fun thing you could do with that is if they throw you off, you put in something completely random to throw them off right back. So it becomes this game of back and forth where, like, the more they derail the story, the more you let them. Yeah, definitely. I, and you can, depending on how your game is running, if you have, like, a solid story in mind, but they don't, they seem dead set on going somewhere else, make it more and more personal to the character. And then maybe look ahead and plan how that's going to not plan, but think of how that might play out and think of how you can make that tie back into your main story. Cause you can always kind of send them clues to push them back the direction you want. There's nothing wrong with having rails that they can hop on when they want to. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I see this popping up more and more lately is, Oh, is it better to have a sandbox or a railroad? And I'm like, neither both kind of suck. If you, go by the internet interpretation of those terms because a railroad is just you're going this direction no matter what in a sandbox do whatever you want I don't, i'm not responsible for your fun and neither of those are good for gameplay yeah you want some kind of happy medium between those two freedom to choose to hop on and off the railroad at will i like to tell i like to have a bigger story in mind and lay out clues to various pieces of it and let them kind of pick them up and use them how they want, answer questions, let them kind of poke at the story and see which direction it moves them. Gives me the ideas to expand things and, okay, well, that would cause this to happen and that would cause this to happen. That not happening will stop this from happening till later. And, you know, it's just, it becomes an exercise for me as a DM to how can I keep the story feeling organic and alive? Another thing to keep in mind is what are your NPCs doing? Um, yeah. Because sometimes if you're not exactly sure what to post because you're focusing on what the players are doing and you're not sure how it relates to the plot that you've sort of uh, preconceived, maybe you could even take a step back. Think about what your NPCs are doing. It's a living world. You know, maybe, maybe the king has decided that waiting for the adventurers to complete the quest isn't enough and so they've started sending emissaries to the neighboring nation uh to help them achieve whatever the goal is right or perhaps the 
the yeah the, the, I, the, keeping yeah keeping the world living is always super important don't don't let the spotlight determine what's active in the world just because the players are here doesn't mean the rest of the world isn't still moving on and this maybe isn't the truman show and maybe those the, maybe <laughs> those things that have been happening on the side have now created a new situation which can influence what's going on now you know what i mean definitely i think the other thing to keep in mind is as a gm like you want to be a storyteller like i think that's why a lot of people get into gming in the first place is like i have this story and i want to tell it and i think i'm really good at that but that's not your primary role. Your primary role is to keep the game going. So you have to kind of step out of the storyteller's shoes and step more into the manager's shoes where like you're you're taking all these different pieces and putting them where they need to be. And then the the entities with the free will, your PCs, are not actively working against that, but certainly disrupting those pieces as you put them down. So there's uh, yes yeah. you're you're more a project manager than a storyteller yeah, yeah and you also have to remember that the players themselves are storytellers as well they are telling the story specifically from one facet <clears throat> or one point of view but they are every much you know every bit as much uh integral to the process right if you have a specific story that you want to tell in mind from beginning to end with no deviations permitted Sounds like you have a, a good idea for yeah. a novel or yeah, a short story. Yeah, just like story. we said in the world building, building, go go write a book, and that's totally okay. Yeah. Nobody's going to give you crap for that, but don't try and do that in an RPG because there has to be there has to be the possibility of deviation, and the more players you have, the more deviant it will become. Now, one thing that is super interesting that is disparate between in-person play and play by post play is sometimes a GM post or a GM interaction contains a ton of dialogue. And I know this has always been a struggle of mine. How do I make that interesting without it just being, okay, here's a paragraph of, of talking. And then he takes a breath and continues. Uh, here's another paragraph of talking. And that's, that's something I never got good at. I I'm in a game with, with Zether right now. And he actually has done it a couple times that's it's in a very good way, throwing in some ticks of the character, some shuffling, some, you know, fidgets. Makes the character feel real lived in rather than just a block, a person who's spitting out text that I need to know. Yeah. I mean, what, if you have a wall of text, yeah, for sure, you'll want to break that up and intersperse bits of personality into it. Because conversation, even if you're making a response to four different people, has a natural flow and rhythm to it. You breathe. That's right, Simmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> you okay? I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm going to get through this, and then I'm going to pass, and someone can step in for me. <laughs> Oh, that was that was good. I saw my opening. Okay. Golf clap. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I do hear what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, so so for that kind of situation, I might write out the dialogue itself and then practice saying it, practice being that character, even just by myself. How would they say that? Okay, this is a 
this is a hoity-toity noble person. They're maybe sitting straight-backed, and but they're very worried. So what does their fidget look like? And then that's and that's exactly what Zether ended up writing in there. Like he talked about the guy tracing a, a shape on the top of a table, and it's like that's just a little detail. Doesn't help anybody do anything other than understand this is a real living person. The other thing that, or the other way you can think about it is, you know, sometimes you're on a phone call and you're like just pacing back and forth across the room, like have your character do something like that. Like instead of just standing there in one spot, like delivering their speech, have them like walk over and like pat someone on the shoulder or like go and like interact with some part of the room so that it it gives you something else to talk about in between their exposition. Definitely. Definitely. And sometimes less is more. So you can always cut out some of the extraneous details, like give them what they need without going all over the place with it. Because either if they need more, they can ask for more or you can give it to them out of character. Or you may just be muddling the topic. You know, if you, it's kind of like our combat post discussion where just because this situation may remind someone of their father's grandmother's cookies doesn't mean it needs to be brought up right now. So just because the PCs say, okay, well, what's the, what's the political situation of this city doesn't mean you need to give them literally every piece of it. Give them the important bits that they need from that to complete the mission. And if they, if they ask for more, you can give them more, and that allows you to break up the dialogue a bit. And keep in mind that, like, that's the one thing that I find when you have a game, a lot of people expect that the person that they're speaking to has the factual truth. Um, remember that unreliable narrators, realistically, more people tend to be unreliable narrators than, than reliable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Reliable narrators are the... <laughs> reliable narrators. I don't know what I said. Reliable narrators. narrators are actually the the exception, not the rule. Yeah, for sure. People, I mean, they've done studies where they look at everyone watching a an accident... And you'll have people who's, who will swear they know exactly how fast the cars were going. They know the expressions on people's faces. Like, no, you don't know some of that stuff. I remember distinctly. I remember distinctly after the Boston bombing, they were talking to uh, people who were on the scene, witnesses who described an explosion followed by an explosion followed by an explosion. A series of them spaced with distinct gaps between them. The error there, of course, there was one blast. Hmm. Maybe you're picking up echoes and adrenaline has sort of heightened your sensation. But the truth is that memory is very fallible and malleable. So, you know, if your characters are talking to fishermen on the docks, uh, you know, who's watching the oil barges come in and out or whatever, and they're asking who hacked the cyber, this guy isn't going to know everything. So instead of using any character as a, a chance for an info dump, use that as an opportunity to mislead the characters, but to the appropriate extent that that character would, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you can use one NPC to break up a conversation. So if you're worried about a huge block of text, maybe this NPC doesn't have it all, but he knows who has the other piece. And so he sends the the players over to that other person 
who has a different personality who has different information and they have to put it together themselves. Or they start arguing and giving conflicting information. Yeah. Every conversation is an opportunity for new plot points. <laughs> Every interaction with the PZs is a chance to ruin their lives. And, and you know, traditional DM fashion. We're not if they didn't like it, they wouldn't sign up for the game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's any like a other, consent form. Yeah. Any other common writer's block stuff it, for GM posts more specifically? Yeah. You? I th- you know what? I think the other one is just kind of the idea of burnout when you have gotten to a stage in the game where you just lo- start losing interest. Oh, yeah. It yeah. sort of ties into what we talked previously about game death. Um, and that can impose a kind of writer's block. You know, so what do you do in that situation? It's kind of how do you go about rekindling that lost romance with your, your game of Shadowrun? You know? How well, do you, you realize you never actually had a romance with it. You hated it, and it's a horrible game, and nobody should ever play it. You break up with it, and then you go play Cyberpunk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you pull that big final moment in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> there! I've paid my shadow run! <laughs> it's not me. It's you. It's always been you. You and your quick play rules are too big! <laughs> Stephen Colbert in the movie uh, Strangers with Candy. It's not you. It's me. I deserve more. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that's, that's, that is something that happens when you've kind of gotten to a point in the game when you just aren't in love with your game anymore and you're not sure how to go ahead and proceed. What, and I guess at that point, you kind of have to understand what's the reason. Is it because it deviated too far from your perceived plot? Is it because you have real life issues? Because I mean, that's a that's a no brainer. Real life issues come first, right? But, well, but I mean, in a perfect world, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, you, figuring out why you are not feeling your game anymore is vital because if it's just you're going through an area of struggle right now you can take some time away. If you're not loving the game, understanding why going back and figuring out where you lost that love. Is it just because you're putting in too much work and it's draining you and you're dreading that now? Or is it because the players are being jerks and not doing what you want them to do? It maybe rethink that some of that. And that's not the same as players being jerks as in you've got you know players on the site who are arguing with each other out of character and or in character that's a that's a separate issue as well but uh but as long as it's just something story related then yeah you can stop and think about what was it that you wanted to get out of the game in the first place what was it that the you talked about the players uh wanting to get out of it in the first place and sort of um, take your break like simmy says and um reevaluate why you started in the first place because you probably had a really good idea or at least the kernel of a good idea and it's probably uh, worth continuing on uh, but maybe you do need to take a break think about it a little bit more and then uh, figure out what the aspects are that are troubling you and then either decide to move on 
um, including those issues that like if it's something like you've been taken off course by unexpected actions from the players they've killed the big bad end end guy too early and now you're not sure what to do then you know maybe think of who's the big bad end girl that had hired the big bad end guy and maybe now she's pissed off that you've gone and slain the the cyber who hacked the cyber that you were trying to steal from the shadows in Shadowrun. I don't know how the game works, but you get the idea. <laughs> Sounds right. You're just going to keep on shoving in Shadowrun references throughout this whole episode, aren't you? <laughs> well, we've talked about D&D a lot, so I want to make the Shadowrun people feel included. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you do that by saying the word cyber over and over. Apparently. Oh, yeah. You have <laughs> how much cyber? is Inveros I've, paying you for this? You cast a spell to hack the cyber. I know Shadowruns. <laughs> <laughs> It was a troll who cast the, the, the cyber hack spell. Got it. <laughs> In the parlor with the rest. Sounds right. Yeah. I I, think, it sounds Shadowrun to me. Actually, the Shadowrun clue, would, now that I mentioned that, sounds like it would be a pretty cool idea. Yeah, but what about Toon clue? <laughs> well, no question. Clearly superior. <laughs> yeah, it was Admiral Rabbit in the conservatory with the anvil from the rope. <laughs> I would play that. I'm going to write that down. I might play that. You're not going to write that down. I don't have pen. <laughs> I was lying from yeah. the start. How could you possibly write without a pen? You're definitely not in front of a super powerful piece of machinery that could totally put notes down for you. Does this uh, 8K video conference not have dictation? <laughs> I only use this computer to play MMO. That's it. <laughs> and you never talk in MMOs. No, I never. don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, actually, I never did either. I, I was never do. I irritated when people tried to talk to me. I'm like, leave me alone. I want to play the game. I mean, I don't mind chatting occasionally, but people are like, mic up, mic up. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, mic off, mic off. <laughs> <laughs> and come to this massively multiplayer online game to interact with other people. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I would play an RPG if they just made a regular one-player RPGs nowadays, but they don't do that, so that's not even an option. <laughs> it doesn't help that I'm that my main character in the game is female, and we all know that I can't do a female voice on a microphone, and it would be out of character if Madame <laughs> Wraith sounded like a man, you know? Nah. I, I, there's what is that? There's that one adult cartoon where was it like Doctor Girlfriend or something like that? Oh, Doctor Krieger have... and uh, his waifu. Wasn't what, didn't didn't they have a, a manly voice? Or am I thinking of someone in, else? In Archer, the 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 VR wife that he had did not have a, a manly voice. The, uh... No, I'm thinking of it was oh uh, something. The big muscly dude who always like had a knife in his mouth and was yelling. Uh, I didn't actually watch that. Venture so Brothers. Brothers. That's what it was. Venture Bros. Yeah, the bad one of the bad guys in there had a girlfriend with a manly voice, and I remember I remember it very clearly because I remember flipping through it in college and being like, "Whoa, that's weird," and moving <laughs> on. Was someone just playing pong? I'm trying much. to remember where we where the conversation started. <laughs> I was going somewhere, but I I, I lost it. So we were talking were, about were people DMing, falling out. The of players the went and game. messed everything up. 
Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. It was intended as a demonstration. This King wasn't Bucky ruined my point. So this wasn't just on. ruining it for no reason. This was us uh, specifically having uh, a, a goal in mind. This was me demonstrating what happens when a player uses uh, sort of free will to mess up what you've already written down in the word document. Specifically, writing King Monkey. Did we just lose King stay Monkey on target? But the last thing I wanted to cover is a very site-specific thing. Something we don't unfortunately get to do as much and that's there is a thing on the site i think i talked about it last month or last week maybe not i don't know but it's called the writer's block and that's a space and that was actually why we wanted the aquilina to come on here to talk a little bit about what that is and i don't know how active it is now i know there were people early in 2020 still using it but i don't know how often it's getting used now but i just wanted to Diacolina to give us a quick rundown of what it is, how it works, and I mean, if it's still running, and if not, how it used to work, and you know, why you no longer get to use that because he's decided you're done. So go ahead, disappoint the people. <laughs> well, in, in a very non disappointing note, uh, the writer's block is in fact still active. Um, the problem is people don't really use it. Uh, so I've had. I'll take a step back. So the writer's block is uh, essentially a class that helps you write better specifically for play-by-post. So if you go to the main page, you click on discussions in the library, there is a page called the writer's block, and it gives you a little bit of a breakdown. Um, And what it is, is if you sign up, there's a couple of requirements associated with that. So one, you have to be on the site for at least a year because we want people who are dedicated to RPG Crossing specifically. Um, You have to have at least a thousand posts and you must be able to produce three game type posts for critique. And those are posted in the first, uh, the first lesson. And then you also have to have given at least a hundred RP XP hits. So these are people who participate in the community are, actively involved in games and want to get better at that particular aspect. Cool. Very cool. And what do you guys do in the writer's block? Once you, once someone has met the requirements and wants to join, what is the process and how does that all begin? Uh, So Durkov kind of runs the thing. And I think I'm the only other active uh, mentor at the moment. There was a, a whole bunch of them and they just kind of, fallen off i guess but slacker <laughs> yeah that's actually how i got my good people badge is by participating in this i think oh so it's a it's a huge lie <laughs> yeah apparently okay. <laughs> good to know good to uh know. but yeah the process is um Durkoff will basically assign you to a mentor um so usually me oh, or he'll like when someone goes to the sign-up bed, he'll post in like the faculty lounge being like, we have someone who wants to participate. Is anyone able to take them on as a student? And then I'll come in and be like, yeah, I could totally use another student. Um, and then we'll create a classroom for them in my sub-forum of the writer's blog. Um, and then there is a series of lessons which can be run in different orders. There's kind of a, a suggested order, but I've made tweaks to that depending on what the student needs specifically. Um, and they basically just, there's, there's an introductory post, which goes over what the purpose of the lesson is. And then there's a series of exercises meant to test a particular part of their play by post experience. 
Uh, so some examples include uh, the good solid post, which I mentioned earlier. Um, there is the concept of uh, concise writing. So there's an exercise where you have to write very, very short posts with uh, significant constraints. Um, there's other ones where you have to sort of rewrite posts that are unformatted with form formatting. Um, so we talk about the different uh, devices that you can use to break up text and highlight things in your posts that, that are form specific and there's, there's exercises to use those. So it's a whole bunch of different things revolving around how to use the form better and to get better in the play by post environment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. And, and I'll go ahead and, and throw it out here, but we totally ripped off one of your lessons and talked about it last time. Simi did. I told him not to. <laughs> he was uh, a monster. He threw me to the floor was... and he said, no, I'm going to take the Aquilina's lesson. I'm going to make it my own. <laughs> Everybody can go back to last week's episode and see that was not true at all. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now willing. you've gone back and re-edited the previous episode <laughs> to make he me look like a liar. He was definitely a willing and you eager can't... participant no. in stealing someone else's intellectual property and selling it as our own, as is the way. <laughs> this is the way. Dungeon mastering. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. How does someone become a faculty member of the writer's block? What are your requirements there? Um, well, when I signed up, there was uh, kind of an open call for more mentors. Uh, so at this point, I believe I joined in 2015. And uh, this would have been just before I got my post of the year, I think, or just after, somewhere in that oh. realm. Um, but I was I was kind of riding a high because I was I was doing what I thought was really good work and I'm like well I've always considered myself a bit of a writer I'd like to be better at this but also help people with the lessons that I've learned over the course of my interaction on the forum uh, so I, I put my name out there and then uh, Durkoff actually ran me through the whole block first so he's like this is what to expect here's what the exercises are here's so you understand what we're trying to get out of it and then. I would ask questions about like, if I'm running this, how would I approach this aspect with the students? And so we went back and forth and we eventually updated the lesson plan a little bit to accommodate for that. So um, if you're interested in becoming a mentor, there's a mentor signup thread, but I don't know how active that is. Um, the last Oh, I, I'm definitely not. I, I just wanted other people to <laughs> be schmucks. That was, that was more of an open casting call. That wasn't specifically oh, for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was the royal you, not, yeah. the, not yeah. the specific you. And I'm actually hoping okay. that this episode coming out will help reinvigorate the writing squad because the, the issue oh, that I've been having is um, I have actually quite a few students, but only two have ever finished because people get busy, they forget about it, and uh, the number of students that are willing to continue participating in it because of life or because of whatever circumstance they find themselves in is very small. Um, so I've uh, actually, there's one person in particular that I'm hoping will come back because they said they just had to take a little bit of a break for something and then they'll return. But for the most part, I've really struggled to, to retain students. And I will say that I tend to be um, a bit strict in terms of the exercises, it's not that you get marked on them, but because of the nature of the blog, I'm always trying to, to pull the absolute best work out of the people who come on. Because if I'm going to be their mentor, then I want them to find out what works for them and also do the best that they can in the environment. So um, 
there's a lot of back and forth about particular exercises where it's like, okay, you did this. Here's what I thought was wrong with it. Can you do the exercise again? Or I'll just keep on creating new exercises until we're really solid on that particular lesson. Um, the jury's out as to whether or not that's deterring people. Um, history would say maybe it is. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to... <laughs> I, I don't want to, to take away people's opportunity to actually get the most out of the walk. So that's that's kind of a debate that I have with myself about um, how I interact with the students. But I'm my, my goal as a mentor is to try and give them the best opportunity to use the block to its full extent. So basically, I come in expecting to fail the Aquilina <laughs> just on every level and you'll be fine. It's not, it's not, a, it's not about failure, right? So one will thing... never be good enough for him. So just come in and, and fail and move on. One thing that I say a lot to my students is your block, your rules, which is really what it comes down to the, the whole adage of whatever you, you get out, whatever you put in, I take that very much to heart. So if, if people are willing to put in the time to, to come and really work through the exercises, then they'll come out, I think a much better writer, at least for play by post. So if I put in five bucks. I'll get five bucks out of it. <laughs> I mean, five I would hand worth. you. I would hand you five dollars that you handed me immediately back because there's no reason to bribe someone. I would hand you what I you. call five dollars worth of online lessons if you gave me five bucks physically. <laughs> yes, that, that that was my last question: is how much is it to just get on the graduate role without actually going through all this stuff. We are people of principle. We do not take bribes. So 10 bucks? <laughs> no, it sounds like you need to, what do they call it when you're, it's universities and you have to bestow a certain amount to the, uh, to the university. It's not called a bribe. It's called something else. <laughs> An endowment. Uh, endowment. Oh yeah. Yeah. An endowment. It's yeah. not, a, it's not a bribe. Just... It's an endowment. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to put a writer's block endowment of endowment. 10 whole dollars, yeah. you can also be an honorary graduate of the writer's block. <laughs> and you can send that to uh, Simi at RPGXradio.com. <laughs> no, don't actually send stuff there. I don't actually have a web or an email. I do. It's site. fine. No, it's okay. Do it. Do it. It's actually, I think do we it. do. I just don't. I haven't been able to oh, access right? it yet. <laughs> yeah. Birch set Birch something up. keeping He's you like, up. He said, he said, use it responsibly. And I tried to set it up and I couldn't. So I was like, okay, that's responsible. <laughs> that's funny because Birch at no point approached me and said, use it responsibly. I mean. Yeah. No, I don't have one. And he's like, <laughs> no. Does that show an excess of trust or a lack of trust? Oh, yeah. No, it's a complete lack of trust. It's not even a question. It's 100%. Ah, no, that's that's not going to happen. Monkey. You you run along now. <laughs> but I think that about covers it. That puts the wrap on our writer's block episode. Did you have any last thoughts about writer's block, Diaquilina? Honestly, I, I know that I haven't really sold it in the best light. But when I went through it, I found that I had a much better idea for what was expected of me in the play-by-post environment. Um, it is a really, really good set of lesson plans, and we've done a lot of work to update them as students go through, because there's always the, the last question after they're done with all the exercises is, what did you like? What did you not like? How do you think we can improve? 
Um, so the more people get involved in the writers block, it's going to get even better. So I want people to come in and actually experience it. And then when you do come in, actually try to go through and finish all the lessons because there's a lot there for you. Um, so my, my final thoughts are please come to the writer's block because we miss you. <laughs> and I have nine students that I have lonely threads for that never finished. And I'd love if they came back and finished. <laughs> if you're listening, that's your guilt trip for the day. I try, out, I try to get off of your lazy butt so and get back into the writer's block. You <laughs> never mind. I won't say that. <laughs> It's going to get a little too mean there. I'll, I'm going to slow down. <laughs> but yes, I I will put the disclaimer out there that even though we were joking about, you know, what a waste the writer's block is, obviously we don't think that or we wouldn't have invited him on to talk about it. it it's, it's a worthwhile space. And I think learning to the style of play-by-post is something everyone can use help on from time to time. So it's worth checking out, even if you don't participate. You can go through and see what the advice was for other people in some cases. And the other thing to note is that the skills that you need to write, say, a novel and the skills that you need to write as part of a play-by-post game are very different. And so this helps bridge the gap there. If you are already an accomplished writer and you're looking to get better at play-by-post or just role-playing in general, like this this is a good place to do that. Very good. Well, with that all wrapped up, I think it is time for Adventure Assemble! We're assembling an adventure. It's a brave lad and his dog. We're assembling an adventure trotting out across the bog. You know, it's funny because I remember the last time we recorded, which clearly was a week ago, um, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if I sang this one thing? And I, I sort of put it together a few words in my head and I thought, yeah, I'll come up with it. Maybe I'll even just come up with it. Just a couple of quick lyrics. I'm not a songwriter. I'm not a singer. Maybe if I'll just put a little bit of effort into a thing. And I was like, yeah, okay, all right. And so I was thinking about it all week. Do you think that came to my head this moment right now? No. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> all that work completely gone. And what I gave you is what I had at that time. It's just like the, the like three months where I had an opening bit if you didn't have <laughs> yes. something. And the moment I didn't bring it, you're like, all right, Simi, you've got something. Let's go. And I'm like, no, I don't have it now. I I prepared for, I prepared for it for yeah. eight weeks, and you kept running over me. So I didn't bring it this time. So no, we're just gonna sit here in silence. I, we're gonna sit I here remember that very quietly, clearly. and you can just think about what you've done. Exactly, exactly. So no, yeah, that's that's why we don't prepare anything for these things. So if you ever wonder why this seems like just a ramshackle mess, blame King Monkey. That's I mean, it's helps. a very entertaining mess, if that helps. <laughs> it's the least I can do. The very least. Very least. <laughs> we believe you. Yeah, no doubts. No <laughs> doubts. <laughs> so so what we've come up with at this point is we are in a coastal town that is close to 
that uh, the hole that the Aquogers were in that had been drained and has been recently refilled. And that act of water rapidly leaving and coming back has created an opening for these water trolls to make it out into this coastal town. This coastal town has had a really good relationship with an aquatic race or an aquatic town. And so they have a, a very nice trade going on. Everything's kind of copacetic, but like, you know, there's uneven of people being different and everybody always ready for something to go wrong. And so naturally you inject these water trolls into things. People start disappearing or showing up dead, eviscerated. It throws suspicion between the two groups. And so our players come in when a an elven lady tries to get people completely unrelated to everything that's going on here to slay the worm of Guntiova and retrieve its eyes. And yes, we've discovered through a very concise and efficient process that this this dragon is a dragon of guilt and saffron. Guilt, not guilt. Guilt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not guilt, guilt. Guilt. It has a jeweled horde. But not a horde. Prized, a horde, but not a horde. Its prized possession is a gilded cup. Which is a cup. That, was that we cool. have determined <laughs> is set on a necklace of sorts. Mm. And it holds a curse of undeath. It's immortality, but in the death becomes her sort of way where damage is always there and you will continue to live. So you have to very carefully hoard yourself from getting hurt. And so this elf wants our people to get this dragon because they want us to retrieve the eyes because these eyes are, how did we, we, the eyes are going to be used in some way to be able to decipher the tablet. The slab. The slab of malediction. Slab of malediction. Yeah, which the elves, of course, pilfered from the nymphs who they had convinced to pilfer from the gnome, uh, the dwarves, yep. ages ago. Healthily yeah. and the nymphs who got it from uh, John Dwarvington. It was, John and Jane it was Dwarfy John, Dwarfy John and Dwarfy yeah. Jane. <laughs> where, we actually had names for them. I don't have it. <laughs> easily accessible here yeah. but they actually had real names but they just Once eventually became dwarfy john dwarfy yeah. jane and it's the interaction between the the dragon's curse and the slab of malediction which uh Varial... i don't think it was the curse i think it was the eyes it just so happened to be a cursed dragon um who was also being a pain in the butt for their um sort of covert shipping lanes well, I definitely wrote slab interaction with dragon curse. Yeah, you here in wrote our that. That doesn't make it right. <laughs> <laughs> I can well, write tape back. Here, it look doesn't... at this. I'm going to write something too. King monkey <laughs> is seven feet tall. I misspelled it all. <laughs> King monkey. Every everybody should know that King monkey is seven feet tall. I'm seven feet tall. <laughs> it doesn't Great make God. it That's true. Right. Uh. So there is some magical interaction between the Something. slab and the dragon that's causing a weather conflagration. Conflagration? Conflagration. Conflagration. You're adding an extra letter. Conflagration. Conflagration. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm 
we're just going to, I don't, you know what? I've been not feeling well. I've made it through so much of this podcast. I'm feeling pretty good so far. You get a pass. It's all right. (laughs) Yeah. Besides, I I made sure early on to establish this habit of mispronouncing things. So nobody will ever understand whether I'm doing it on purpose or an accident now. Do you? Oh, yeah. You you don't even know, I'm sure. Obviously, I know. So, hey, maybe... Maybe the curse, maybe the curse, because the dragon is immortal, maybe the, maybe the fact that it's a a dragon that is immortal, even by dragon standards, means that it is old enough that somehow its eyes are more in tune with the magic of the Slab of Malediction, which itself is an ancient, ancient artifact. Basically, find the eyes of a dragon of the same age kind of thing and suddenly you can make it it can see the ancient magics i think last time we had talked about like the innate nature of dragons means they see the world differently but it could be that i don't know you know it's not like we ever have continuity on purpose here (laughs) so whatever we decide today is really what ends up being canon by the time we're done yep that's it but for whatever reason the dragon's eyes are capable of deciphering this tablet in the right way Whereas they have been having trouble with it. Varial, our erstwhile always at our heels elf, has been moving this tablet somewhere. And we don't I don't even remember why he was moving it. I don't think it was the same time because he had do he had to go do something else. Yeah, no, he, I guess after doing the something else, he had sort of taken over um Moving the moving the, the the slab for whatever reasons we don't know what's going on with the elves. Maybe this was after his injury at Healthily's hands. Oh, that's true. And where he he, had to, he barely made it out. And he's basically like, okay, you know what? I need to take a break from field work. I will sit with the slab and supervise its transfer back to the capital or or wherever it is they're going. I'm gonna laugh if that's exactly what we came up with last time too. Maybe <laughs> it's. I mean, it would make sense if we were to think of a thing twice. Of course, it would also make sense if we never thought of the same thing twice on this podcast. It's true. So on this journey so far, we have Mondrak, the Sailor Sorcerer of Wetness. That's King Monkey. Mondrak, the Sailor Sorcerer. Of Wetness. Yep. Don't forget the title. I I still don't think I put that in. (laughs) It's in the document. It's got to be real. (laughs) Do you want me to type King Monkey is seven feet tall again? You, you, we already established you're seven feet tall. It's it's in my notes. Ah, I can't do what? it. <laughs> I'm so stretched out. I can't even type properly. And I had brought Bellis, the halfling bard, kind of maybe following around Mondrick, singing of tales of his exploits. Sure. Sea shanties and the like. Yeah, you know. And... We're going to give Diaquilina a chance here to add someone into the mix. So, who are you bringing? I am bringing my randomly generated Jathal, no last name, uh, who ah. is a female elf sorceress. Ah, that is that is so hilarious because my Silence Divine campaign has a female elf named Jathal. <laughs> well, it's a very that. common elven name. I clearly <laughs> stole they, your character. <laughs> They are an, an elementalist monk, so a little different, but <laughs> it's just that randomly generated name and race were hilarious. Yep. 
Now, what's what's interesting to note is she's 16th level, um, and other than having sort of an above average charisma, everything else is subpar. She's she's and, like and, aggressively <laughs> mediocre. And yeah, that's that's usually how those come out. I'm pretty sure I've said that a few times when I make a gen- random generated character. I'm like, and this person is aggressively mediocre. The most mediocre you can possibly be, they take it to 11. <laughs> so why is Jathal, this other sorcerer now, on the boat with Mondrak, the Sorcerer of Wetness, and Bellis, the Halfling Bard? I see her as part of the the non-evil faction of elves. Um, okay. And she is sort of observing from a distance. Like she she's stowed away on this ship in order to check on these two people who are going after the eyes and make sure that they don't use them for nefarious purposes. Okay, so, so somehow Jathal heard that this other elf, uh, Brockna yeah. was trying to get people recognize that that person is part of this other faction and was like, okay, well, I need to go along with this because they don't understand how bad this could be. Mm-hmm. So Jathal, Jathal knows how evil Brockna and her ilk are and she wants to stop whatever plot that they're putting forward. Okay, I think that gives us our first roll moment then and so I'm going to have you roll this but I think what we're rolling for here is Jathal needs to insinuate herself onto this expedition because these people don't know they have their crew set up they they know what's to expected but Jathal knows she needs to be there so I think in this case success will get you on there and just make you feel like you're part of the crew Whereas a failure will have you revealed as being sneaking on, and we'll have to resolve that. So why don't you okay. give us a roll and see how that turns out? D twenty. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I'm uh, I'm using my slightly translucent uh, teal. Oh my god! <laughs> what you've done, King Monkey? <laughs> no, Everyone does don't it now. Interrupt, don't interrupt him. I want to know what kind of dice he's using. It's uh, teal with white letters. This is one of my favorites. Actually, this is the first uh, die set I bought, so it's very important. And I got a 19. All right, King Monkey. They have successfully invaded your crew. What is that? How does that play out? Well, I think Mondrak is used to taking on new, uh, like sailors, you know, globetrotters that they are, because he's not just a regional fisherman or anything. He, he sails pretty far and wide. He's used to picking up new crew members here and there with very few questions asked, because sometimes the answers are not worth asking those questions in the first place. So, sure, he's got a new face, but that new face doesn't seem to be immediately disruptive. So, Mondrak is welcoming Jathal on board with a hearty handshake and asks if they know any decent sea shanties. (laughs) (laughs) She is not one for shanties. Uh, But if you need a guide, that's uh, more up her alley. So, so I think then at this point where we set sail and that's when the weather gets just nuts, you know, the suddenly they, tornadoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> suddenly tornadoes. And oops, I accidentally almost clicked in the wrong place. That would have been bad. Oh my gosh, that would have been so bad. Can you imagine if you clicked in the wrong place? Oh yeah. my God. This yeah, whole thing would just start the podcast over. I mean, yeah. No, that's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. So, so. Mondrak, being 
the ostensibly the leader of all this, has to help us navigate through this suddenly tornadoes and get us to the cave. And I think that's where your role comes in. I think we're going to get yep. to the cave one way or another, but how we get there is determined by your role. 14. Success, but at a cost. Okay, so so I think because we determined that it's some interaction between the dragon's power and the slab of malediction that's causing these tornadoes, I think the reason we end up finding our way in is because we kind of spot this path. And unfortunately, the shining that, golden path, path. that path between the, the, the spouts and everything that's going on also gives Varial a place to enter. And so we get in there. We're going to complete the quest or be able to confront the dragon. You know, wherever Jathal ends up kind of throwing themselves in here to say, hey, that's bad. We shouldn't do that. <laughs> I think the problem now is Varial is also coming too. along. Oh, oh, oh. And, and Elven boat some... pursuing us through the through the violent storm. As we make our way through the, the, the wind-tossed seas, we see the, the ship tailing us and we're not able to lose it. But we can't exactly take our time to you know, try and lose them because we're going to get smashed into the rocks because we're still in relatively shallow water. So we literally have no choice but to make our way there knowing that we have led the enemy to this place. Yeah, and the, our simple, the simple fact that we're on the waters during all this tells Varial there's something important in that direction and I should go with that. So he may not quite understand what's happening. I, I don't know if we said that the dragon was harrying him or not yet, but he definitely knows that this is the direction he needs to go because people wouldn't be out here unless they absolutely needed to be. This is not Varial's first time uh, out, you know, being a Machiavelli for the elves. Machiavelli? So, <laughs> so he knows uh, when the, he knows where to follow the winds of, of fortune. Uh, when yeah, they I'm, blow, I'm right? thinking he's he's kind of come up as a, a prized seeker in this organization of some sort because he is been very good to this organization he's found a lot of information he's one of and their so, yeah go-to guys so so why don't you tell me what i'm rolling for king monkey well bellis the bard brought on board for sort of worldly knowledge or his worldly knowledge i don't even remember was it female halfling bard I thought it was female i don't know maybe i'm thinking of the, the previous one that got rolled there yeah the last one was a female elf oh. or a female Rogue is what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Bellis the Bard was brought on board for their knowledge. Now we've made our, we've found our way through the the the, the tornado and the maelstrom, and we've made it with our ship mostly intact to the mouth of what is actually a hidden cave uh, in in this bank of uh, this sort of permanent fog bank, um, and now the place. We know sea dragons like to guard their hordes with nasty tricks. What better person than a storyteller to tell us what kind of things to expect as we try to make our way into the dragon's lair? Yeah, sifting fact from legend, from story, mm -hmm. and putting all those pieces together to say, here's what we should be on the lookout for. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. What What is the consequence of failure here? I don't know. Let's roll and find out if we have to even figure that out yet. 
All right, let me roll. Oh, okay. Well, we're probably not going to have to figure that out because I just rolled a 19. 19. Sucks. killing it. So what kind of... What kind of traps or wards or perils do we face as we enter the the lair of an extremely vain immortal dragon who has got the most extreme case of body dysmorphia? <laughs> so I think I think the the dragon has used flawed gems to hold like magical symbols and embedded them into the stone in various places. And, and they use these gems one, because they're imperfect and not worthy of being in their jeweled hoard. And two, because they reflect poorly. And so it, it makes the dragon, it reminds the dragon of how they see themselves. You know, it always warps their image back. And so he puts this, they put this destructive energy into these things, like sort of, cathartically to blow themselves up each time someone tries to come in and steal from them. Like, oh yeah, you know what? You you think this looks bad. Check out how you look after this. Boom. <laughs> and <laughs> and so so Bellis is is able to kind of draw on that knowledge of the the ever greedy and the the ever cowardly and kind of say, okay, here's what we're on the lookout for pulls out some, you know, directs the two sorcerers to put light in certain areas and move it down there and discover all these things and get us to the horde. And I think I think that that Bellis is does it in such a way that we're able to get through faster than Varial. So right. we don't actually reveal all the traps to Varial right, as we're right. going through. Leaves them concealed for for him to sort of Trigger the tripwire, if it, as it were. Right, right. Okay. So, so now we have to confront the dragon. Now, we have come with the intent of slaying this, what we assume is a scourge. Yes. But Jathal came along with the intent of stopping this. Mm-hmm. So, what is your tactic here, Jathal? Uh, well, first and foremost, I want to have her reveal Varial's ill intentions based on the... Uh... Brockna. Sorry, Brockna's ill intentions. Brockna? Varial's the one who's chasing us, but uh, Brockna was the one who hired us. Uh, yes. Uh, he, she'll point out uh, all of the things that uh, Brockna has done in the past and sort of uh, the machinations that led up to this point. Um, so they want to obviously read the, the slap of malediction so that they can use it for nefarious purposes and Jathal wants to stop that. And then um, she will try to reason with the dragon to request his aid in uh, preventing the the gems from falling into the wrong hands. Well, obviously he wouldn't want his eyes taken out, so that's probably, he'll, he'll probably be on board for that. Most people are <laughs> averse to losing their eyes, yeah. <laughs> so so the the idea here is reveal that there's this secret well not secret but there's this faction of elves that are slowly collecting these things Brockna works for them the person following us probably also works for them and their intent here is not what they've told us and then to use that to also tell the dragon look you're also being used this curse is something that doesn't necessarily have to be bad we can work on that 
to help also, you. Also being framed for the deaths caused by the water trolls, too. Right, exactly. So, so kind of acting as a mediator and maybe trying to give both sides something they want so that they will help against this faction of elves. Am I getting that right? Yes, but she needs to reveal herself at the right moment. Otherwise, it'll all fall apart. Yeah, And the one caveat that we don't know about the trolls yet. So, so I think your role here, Jathal, is picking your moment right before escal- things escalate too far, but right when there's a point where things can tip either way. Okay. Rolling. So give us a d20 roll and let's see what you get. I got a 12, so a success but at a cost. Okay. Success but at a cost. Hmm. What kind of cost is incurred in revealing yourself... And trying to... It, it could be that I'm a little bit too late. Either um, someone decided to take upon themselves to start attacking the dragon, or Varial shows up and is able to argue the counterpoint and try and convince everyone that I'm lying. But still successful is the nature of the role, though. So here, here's... I'm going to throw this out there. You let me know if you think this is okay. I think... I think the dragon really latches onto this idea of being free from the curse. And Varial isn't doing a good job navigating through. It just ha- saw that we made it through, assumed we're good. And so it starts setting off these traps, which sets the dragon on edge. And when he finally explodes in, he just sees that things aren't going as he expects and starts just unleashing on everyone. Uh, so burial is so, starting fights. So the dragon is now yes. on our side, but the pro- the cost is that it took so long that now burial is there. Yes, burial is there and aware now that people know things are not going well, and I think what ends up happening is is the dragon basically at this point is like, look, I I can't do anything for you. My only chance here, if you can break the curse or remove it from me, I can get you the time to get out of here but there's the only way to do that is to transfer the curse so i think jathal has to take on this curse and the dragon ends up actually sacrificing themselves to let us get away so instead of getting a new ally he ends up we end up just kind of keeping the item that the trolls the elves wanted mm-hmm. without varial quite realizing what happened that makes sense to me so now it's attached to Jathal. Yeah, so now Jathal is cursed with this immortality. horrible immortality. And I think the side effect here is kind of like what you were saying. Without that immortality, the the magic in the eye sort of loses its power quickly. So it gives us the time to get away, but now Jathal will be hunted, and but much easier to keep track of. Yes. Right, I'm going to give a roll here. Okay. All right. So, Mondrak. Mondrak is now trying to uh, conjure uh, to channel the power of the sea. This, this is a sailor, uh, a sailor sorcerer of wetness, as you put it. Yep. Not me. Yes, they are channeling the power of wetness. Yeah. So. Basically, he's given his heart to the sea, but in the more extreme sense than many sailors choose to do. Um, 
So now he is conjuring the waves to try and deal with their opponent. I rolled a 10, which is a failure, but not total. Okay, so I think a similar in a similar fashion, you you don't end up doing enough to save the dragon. The dragon still has to sacrifice themselves in order for us to get away cleanly, and Varial is going to survive. Maybe the rest of the crew is gone, maybe his ship is shattered, but this this cockroach is going to survive. But and in the process, oh, go ahead. No, but, no, if you got something, yeah, but but King Mon- or, um uh, sorry, what's the name? Mondrak. King Mondrak. <laughs> King Mondrak. <laughs> but Mondrak's efforts uh, kept Varial far enough that we were able to escape from him as well. So um, not only was the dragon able to buy us a little bit of time, but Varial kind of lost track of us as we were running away. And so now he has to start from scratch. So we have a head start in escaping. Yes. What, what I think would be cool is if Mondrak, in calling upon the powers of the sea, in really immersing himself in this this power, giving himself completely to it, actually becomes part of the sea, becomes almost an elemental in his own right, and so is able to propel the boat and us away, which is how we get away quicker. Mm-hmm. That's What do you think about that? I like that. King Monkey, it's technically your character. I'll, I'll let you have a say. If I need to delete it, I can. No, I think it sounds good. Uh, I will be honest with you. I'm actually just looking back through the previous ones to find out what class burial was. Because I was trying to remember what the nature of their power was. I want to say he was a cleric. I don't, but I don't remember. remember. I found I think out it was like the third one. Dwarfy John was Corsad. Dwarfy Jane is Hulgoster. <laughs> Hulgoster, of course, being the mother of uh of of edric Edric. yep (laughs) the dwork (laughs) the dwork yeah and so i think my last role here is for bellis to take this information that there is a faction of elves doing bad things and do what bards do and dance off create a song that subtly lets people know to be on the lookout for this and success would mean successful creates a good song that slowly spreads around and starts bringing this faction to light and failure would be he gets caught real quickly and killed. So this is now what they've, they've already left the area. Yeah. Cause we've established that they're going okay. to get away. Yeah. Right. And, and Varial's not going to be able to find them right away. So, this is a chance that, that Bellis is going to take. And maybe Bellis goes off on their own at this point to try and figure it out for themselves. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna try and do what bards do and spread information through song and through a catchy tune so that it keeps passing from town to town. Yes. Okay. Or not just from town to town, but they're, you know, they, they sail pretty regularly. So this is going to start spreading across, right, across but the like, sea, right? It has to, yeah, he's, he's going to pass it wherever he goes, but you also want starts. other people to pass it as well. So making it catchy and making it easy and accessible allows it, when other people go places to, you know, hey, did you hear the new tune? Oh, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And, you know, kind of spins, <laughs> ra- spins around everybody. Spins so let me right roll. Around, baby. Toss a coin to your evil elf. 
Like a record, baby. Right, round, round, round. Are we in uh, trademark territory now? All right. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I think we live I, in there. I rolled a ten. Ooh. Failure, but not total. But not total. And success, but at a cost. <laughs> and success, because I because I've still never fixed that, and I never will. <laughs> so the song does go viral. The song is catchy, but it accidentally paints the elves in a good light. Hmm. Or at the very least, I think two versions of the song get out. There you go. Yeah, because it is think, both a failure and a success. Because I think what happens is is Bellis, Bellis manages to put this good song together, but gets caught real quick. So it doesn't go very far quickly. Right. But it's so going to spread. Other people and, start carrying the tune as best they can, but they change the lyrics here and there. So the end of well, getting... I think I think what happens is the elves catch him real quick. And end up doing some brain brainwashing, and he has to rewrite the lyrics, and so he ends up putting out another set of lyrics with the same tune. So you get these conflicting stories. So the story's out there, but people are like, "Oh no, no, that's the wrong version of the song," and the elves obviously push for the wrong one to go out more often. There's their counter propaganda so, campaign. Exactly, yeah. and they use the same person who put out the first one. To make it more authentic. Hmm. Cool. Okay. So we've got we've got some stuff going on. Slowly, more and more people are finding out the truth about the elves, and there are some pretty powerful allies we are putting together now. We've got Jathal and Mondrak, who are powerful in their own ways. Now, we've got Healthily. We've got. He knows her business. Yeah. We've and got. She's um, missing though at this point, right? Yeah, we don't we don't know if she escaped or not. From the impending flood, yeah, flood, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. We it's like don't... a Halo game; you don't know if they made it out of the flood. <laughs> and what was the wizard? The wizard who accidentally summoned the satellite to oh, to the, the guy who actually did all this. <laughs> and he went by the, the stupid gnomish name for a while. Oh man, you're gonna make me look that up <laughs> eventually. Maybe not right now, but um, so he is also aware of what the elves are doing, but he's taken it upon himself to retreat and consolidate his power right well i think i think if i remember correctly he that was his plan but he didn't do it very well and so he actually accidentally revealed himself to the elves yes yeah but now yeah, he's, he's he in hiding he right yeah he's in, he's in hiding he's gone back to his lair and we don't know what exactly he's doing there anyway we'll figure it out he had some he had two weird names yeah they were both awful names. One was awful wizard name. One was an awful uh, gnome, name. gnome name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there are several big players available now, and I think it's gonna now that we have a elf of the good faction sort of in that realm, we might start seeing them come together a little bit more. Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity for some of that to pop up. Yeah. Any yeah. last words? I look forward to seeing how this all plays complete out. Complete silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, if you want to go out in silence, that's fine too. <laughs> that's it. <yeah. laughs> I got so no look- less words. I hear my kids arguing upstairs. so Yeah, I hear time. them too. So I think with that, that means we done. We done. We done.
<laughs> yeah. That, that, that's that's what I happen. get every week that I turn into what you hear on the podcast. <laughs> gold. So. Solid gold. That's what he said. He said solid gold is what you get every week. It's solid it's a, something. It's a little bit of dressing on it's, it at the end. It's, it's definitely fine. solid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely have something to get my hands on. 